Welcome to Unsigned Hype, episode 3. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to the incredible artist Justo DMC from New York City. Prior to our interview, I asked Justo which song he would play for someone that wasn't familiar with his music yet. Justo chose his song County of Kings, but since the interview, Justo put out a new album called Weather Smoke that I highly recommend you check out as well. If you're not familiar with Justo's music yet, here's a snippet of his song County of Kings before we jump into the interview. This is Unsigned Hype, and the song you just heard is called County of Kings by Justo DMC, and I have the absolute pleasure to welcome Justo to the show today. Justo, why is County of Kings the song you would play for someone that has never heard your music before? Uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Miles, for having me here. Uh, I think County of Kings is just, uh, it's it, one, County of Kings is, uh, it means Brooklyn. It's like the county where Brooklyn is located, where I'm from. So it uh, is a representation of where I'm from. Uh, it's a really hype track. It's almost like an anthem vibe. And I feel like that's always the best way to, to really get people, like, you know, into what you're doing is kind of give them something they can kind of chant back, uh, anthem vibe and uh, the lyrical abilities too. So yeah, I think those things. Is, is hyping the people uh, on, it's probably not on your mind all the time because you have such a no. versatile uh, amount of records that just shows how the versatility in your, in your, in your skill set basically. How, how do you approach creating your music? Like, is there, is there a, always a concept in mind that you have or how, how do you approach recording in general if you could break that down uh i tend to be a concept guy i definitely tend to be a concept guy it gets overwhelming at times because you have to be at least for me you have to be very specific you have to be very uh uh almost like uh, uh deliberate you know what i mean like you don't want it to stray too far away from what the goal of the album is um, and so that tends to be what I like to do. I tend to usually like to work with one producer because I like kind of getting the best out of their vibes. Instead of going to different producers, you get one producer and kind of use their versatility. And it sounds more coherent more co coherent and like in sync, you know what I mean? When you use one producer rather than going to several producers. Um, so yeah, for me, my process is definitely uh, trying to make more concepts but at the same time i kind of let the music dictate where it goes like i'll listen to it i'll try to figure out okay this is with the vibe i'm at first you know what i'm saying because i gotta see where i'm at and then kind of see if the music is connecting with that and i just built from that i'll do a song say okay this vibe fits and then i'll do another one but i'll, I'll kind of track it out when i listen to the beats I'll listen to the beats and already get a concept as I go before I start like really writing. I'll do like uh, the titles for each song first. I do it kind of backwards. Yeah. So I'll write the titles first. I'll write the, you know, get the concepts out the way. I'll kind of like mumble a hook or two, like to kind of build the hooks first. And then I'll start, you know, adding in the verses. So it's kind of a, probably a different way. I don't know if a lot of artists do it like that. I think uh, what I found really interesting when when going through your discography was that you've actually worked with a bunch of producers around the world from around the world. So, yeah. uh, an Italian producer um, that produced a whole album for you. Mm -hmm. You did a song with someone from France, a producer in France, um, and most recently, obviously, the things you do with with Jay Soul, who's from the Netherlands, I think. Mm -hmm. How do you first of all? How do you find producers to work with? <laughs> um. They kind of find me, you know, it's almost like this situation where like, you know, you found me on, a, you know, I think you said Spotify. Um, it's just, it's been a situation that kind of grew from 20, I want to say 2010. I had dropped a song uh, called It's Our Year. And uh, it was with my manager at the time, Vic Black. And he's a part of the Gangstar Foundation. And so Premier was in, DJ Premier was in the video and it got a lot of response. And at that time, you know, SoundCloud was like 
really big for everyone, not just like the SoundCloud rappers, but like everyone was using SoundCloud as a platform, even more so than the digital um, streaming platforms. So from that point, I started getting a lot of love from overseas and a lot of producers and not just overseas, but even like here in America, but just like Canada, Mexico, like, you know, it was, um, and it was something that kind of like just grew over the years. And so, yeah, I just like, they'll either hear me from something I did or, you know, um, it's never usually, it hasn't been a situation where I've gone and tried to look for the producers. It's like, they just like the stuff that I'm doing. They'll hit me up. I'll say, you know, like, send me something. If I really like it, then, you know, we'll just go from there. So that's kind of like how it's been. Just people from all over the world, you know, it's a blessing. They Do you feel like there's a, there's an advantage in that in the terms of it? You know, it, it's it's internationalizing your music basically because they'll push it in the European market more yeah. based on the fact that they're European producers. Like, have you felt like an advantage from that uh, versus working with more local artists that are New York based or uh, United States based? Um, I would definitely say it's it it'll. I think when it's all said and done, if I get to a spot where I want to be, I've already done the work to like you said to get things already in a bigger market so like yeah in a sense definitely um i don't have to work as hard once i get to where i need to get to to have that global reach because i'm already doing it and i'm doing it in a personalized way because i'm actually working with artists from overseas i'm building relationships with them you know a lot of these guys like you just mentioned jay soul i've known him for about two and a half years three years uh um you know i have uh Producer friends like uh, the guy you mentioned, uh, B-Boy Nia from uh, Italy. I've known him for a couple years. My man DK in Canada, I've known him for like almost six years. So it's like these artists, are, I'm building relationships with them. It's not just like, you know, we're just doing these songs. And, you know, it's still a very personalized thing. You still have to like mm. work together, figure out the concepts, figure out the release. You know, figure out the videos you want to do. So it's still building a relationship. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's an advantage. I can go to just about, you know, <clears throat> not any country because there's a lot of countries out there, but a lot of countries where I can go and know that I have a, a point of reference. I have guys that I can go to yeah. and say, hey, I'm in this town. I'm in this country. You know, like, what's up? Let's let's link up. So that's definitely a big, a, a big help for sure. And. How does it work with the recording process? Like how, because you do everything remotely then, right? I mean, it's not like that mm. easy to fly overseas and then mm. meet with people mm. in person. How, how is that process for you working with producers that, are, that, that you'd only connect with remotely, basically? Yeah, so it started with me just going to the studio, um, recording my stuff. If they were privy to like engineering, then I would just send them the stuff. You know, I would get all, track everything out and send it over to them. We transfer as like, became like one of my like go-to things because I was always sending <laughs> yeah. uh, stems. So ideally it would be that. Now I have my own studio set up, you know, over the years I've built my own studio set up. So now I can just, I can do it anytime I want and I know how to track out myself. So I can just literally just do it quick, boom, send it out to them. Or, um, or if I'm getting work done here, I can just do it myself or have an engineer myself, you know, work on it and, you know, Uh, with DistroKid, you're able to, or, you know, certain uh, distribution platforms, you're able to, like, sync you, your, uh, you and the other artists together yeah. for that whatever release. So that helps. You don't have to go back and forth about, well, what are we going to do about the money and the percentages and stuff like that. So it's a lot of things that helps the scenario. I, I want to go back a little bit more back in time. I think it was around 2005 where you spit your first rhyme for someone, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk a little bit about that moment and also what impact that first rhyme had on the rest of your career until today? Yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, shout out for like doing your homework. That's dope. That's fire. I don't even know where you... I probably had that written somewhere and you checked it out. That's dope. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was like, uh, I want to say my junior, sophomore year of high school, Uh, people were, you know, in New York, like hip hop's always a thing. Obviously, it's the birthplace of hip hop. But mm. when I was growing up, it was more like battle rap kind of stuff. Like that's when like the battle rapping was like really big. And so, you know, kids were doing it all the time. I just started rapping just because I loved music. And so I would just do it at home. 
Um, and then one day I just got the nerve to like rap in front of a friend of mine. We were like sitting upstairs somewhere in, in during lunchtime. Um, and I spit it for him and he was like, you should like, you know, you should, that's dope. Like you should like go rap. And so, um, I don't remember the rhyme at all. I, I just remember like people's response. And, um, I think that was the first time I really thought like, wow, like I, I have an ability, I have something that like, you know, people can really take to. And um, yeah, it definitely changed me because it made me um, more aware of a talent that I didn't really know I had, you know? So that was definitely like the, the starting point. Where do you go from there as, as someone that, that finds out that skill set um, and gets this response of people saying, wow, like you're really good at this. Yeah. Where, what's, what's the process like in your mind of building a career out of this? Like, how, how did you approach that? It did. It definitely didn't start as like, you know, because I was so young, I didn't think about like, oh, I could make a career out of it. It was just more like, I like this feeling of like people liking something that I'm doing like at home that I'm just thinking is just, uh, you know, just me goofing off or whatever. And so um, it just started as just wanting more, like wanting more reaction, wanted To, to test it out and, you know, see what made people respond and like just being um, creative in that way. Um, I think it didn't really like click until uh, a group of us. So it was a group of us that used to battle each other. And then at one point we were like, yo, let's just like, we're the best rappers. Let's just get together and make a group. Let's start like, you know, recording. So we ended up making this group called The Force. It was a terrible name, but... Uh, <laughs> We actually we were called Full Force. I think I made the name up to be honest, like a like a, a dummy. But I think it was Full Force, and then we realized there was a group back in the day called Full Force, and we actually looked them up, and they were like in like these long, they had like long hair and like these weird suits on. We were like, ah, oh, no, we can't <laughs> be like Full Force. Let's like let's just be the Force. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that's where it started. Like the idea of like, oh, and then we, I started getting into the concept of like making songs and the concept of like, let's look for a recording studio to go to. You know, that's what started changing it. My boy uh, Rico, he was like the one who really like made me start thinking like, man, we can make this into like, you know, like we could actually be a group. We could actually turn this into something. So that was the moment where it kind of clicked. Before that, it was just like, you know, I just wanted to get more responses from the people. Was there ever a plan B for you or did you go all in with that saying, I need, uh, music is what I need to do? It, it definitely didn't feel like a plan B because I'm, I'm the kind of person like I, I definitely move through life on things that move me. I'm not someone who just like kind of just does stuff to, to do things. You know, I'm not like, like money doesn't move me. Like things don't like move me unless it's like something that like, you know, like energetically and like, I just get a, a, I gravitate to, you know? So once that moment came, like there was a lot of things, you know, I was listening to family, oh, you got to go to college and listening to, you know, so there was a lot of things that distracted me that I went and I did and it didn't work out. And everything that I tried to do that wasn't music didn't work out basically. And that's what kind of told me, like, I need to just follow my gut, follow my spirit, just do what I feel like is, um, the thing that calls me and moves me. So that was really it. I, I don't, I've, I've been presented with plan B's, but it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't move me the same way, you know? And when you say it doesn't work out, it, it, it just wasn't your thing. Like you always knew that music was basically your, your calling, your, your, your future. Yeah. Yeah. There's always been things that of like, you know, that are still things that I'm passionate about outside of music, but nothing that really moves the needle the mm. way like music does for me, you know? So that was definitely the thing that just kept me persevering through a lot, you know? Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely. So when do you, when, when you go all in with the music, mm. when do you have your first moment of like, this is, this is working for me. Like something's happening. <laughs> That's happened like so many times and then it goes down and then it goes back up. And then, uh, I, I would say like the first time, uh, definitely not high school. High school was like, I think in high school, the cool thing was we were getting people to like, we had the whole school actually like repping us like, oh, this is the force. This is the, you know, the right. So that was like the first one where it was like, oh, that's, this is kind of, you know, this is cool. Like we're actually galvanizing the school. 
And then, um, you know, then we graduate. So everyone starts going their separate ways. That was like the first downer. But then when I came back home, because I went to college in Atlanta, I came back home uh, after a year, just it, it didn't work out. Um, and so when I came back home, I started doing music again. I was, you know, at a couple studios. And then I got hit up by a guy who I met randomly. Um, and he was an engineer and a producer at Jam Master J's studio in Queens. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of had like a platform or whatever. And uh, he put, he basically took me on as his artist. And that was one of the first like times where I was like, okay, like I finally found like, you know, kind of a niche somewhere like I can kind of uh, build myself up and have someone who can help me build up. And so that was like one of the first times where I felt like, okay, then that situation died down. Then I met Vic, Vic Black. Well, he's my cousin, so I already knew him. But he came around. He heard I did music. Um, and that's when I met DJ Premier. And that's when a whole another level of like, wow, maybe this really is a thing. You know, maybe I can really do something with it. So there's been a couple of situations, a couple of situations where it felt like I'm on the right path. I just got to, you know, keep it straight. And. I mean, not maybe not to go into full detail with this because maybe this has been an experience for you that 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 was negative, and I don't really want to focus yeah. too much on the negative experiences. At the yeah, same yeah, time, yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's interesting. It's all life. It's all life. Exactly. It's all life. Exactly. It's all mm -hmm. life. Um, yeah. So when when you have that situation at uh, Jam Master J's studio, and things don't work out, what what mm -hmm. what happens in these moments? Like what what happened in that particular moment where you say things just died down, basically? Well. That one was more of a transition, so it wasn't as bad because at the moment that things were starting to get a little less clear with that situation, uh, I was starting to work with Vic. So it kind of went from a transition of like, so I was doing this, I was working with this guy, Etan, his name is uh, Etani Ravis, by the way, shout out to Etan. I was working with him. And it kind of, that's like, was the die down. Like we were kind of unclear about what we wanted to do next. And it was just, our communication was a little off. At the time I was super young, was like probably like 20, um, like barely 21. So, you know, just the communication was off, but I had transitioned into working with Vic. So that one wasn't a big letdown, you know, it was, it was kind of quick. And then the, is that when the Primo situation comes up fairly quickly? That's when Primo came up. Yep. That's when Primo came up and, um. Yeah, and we. And you were in Shade Forty Five, uh, actually. I I think I saw like you you were on the radio on, on Shade Forty Five as a radio yeah. station, and DJ Premier did his thing, yeah. scratching to your track. I think yeah, from yeah, what yeah. I remember, one of your tracks. Yep, yep. And so that must have been a moment where things went went uphill pretty quickly again, right? Well, that situation with Premier, where he was scratching my track, that was really recent. I was working with Premier years ago before that. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so that was more recent where it was just like I already had the connection with him. Uh, Meticulous was a big fan, um, and he kind of reached I don't, you know, that situation is really, you know, we could go into that if you want. No one really knows that story, so you would get an exclusive. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was like, <laughs> that was a couple years ago. I was working with Premier and Vic, like, Oh man, it's got to be, that was, like I said, like 2010. So it was years ago from like 2010 to 2016. What, what, what happened there? Like, how was the, the work with Premier when you first met him? How, what kind of relationship did that, did that develop into? Well, Primo was more of a secondary because Vic was my manager, but, um, but he was a great, like, he was great. Like, you know, he let us use the studio at the time we were at, he was at D and D. Uh, which is in Manhattan, because uh, right now he's in Queens. He's in Astoria, he, so he moved the studio. But at the time, he was still... And that studio, I don't know if you know about that studio, but it is like, I mean... D&D, &D, you mean, or the new studio? Yeah, no, D&D. &D. Oh, D&D &D is legendary, of yeah, course. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. So good. So absolutely. you already know what's up. So being there was like, it was, it was a game changer. And even for me, being a young kid from New York, I still wasn't privy to like how legendary it was because I was so young and, you know, like the, it, it just didn't click the same way, you know? Um, but as I was doing my research and as like Vic is, you know, teaching me these things, I'm like, this is a big deal. You know, this is dope. So being around him, he was 
he was a good dude. Like there was all there was. No, I have nothing but good things to say about him. It was just I was directly connected more so with Vic, and that's where like the conflict kind of started because Vic was he was the manager, and so Primo didn't have as much influence on what I was doing musically or or the moves that we were making. It was more so Vic. And even though they were close, I just feel like it was kind of it just caused a lot of friction. You know, I don't I don't, I can't speak for either one of them. But for me, being the person that was the artist that had to be in between it, it just felt like I, uh, we weren't moving in the direction quick enough because there was just too much conflict on how should we move or, or who's in charge of the next move. And, you know, so it just caused a lot of friction unfortunately how would you i mean i think i think these are these are things that that are i mean you, you know that you know that better than than i do but these are part part it's it's, a, it's the game basically it's part of the music business these things happen but yeah. how would you have liked um to move forward with that situation back then what what was your dream scenario my dream scenario was um just to to be on a tour to be able to create more music that had a backing, you know, like that had a premiere, you know, giving it the stamp of, of approval. It didn't happen really like that. You know, we did one project with uh, Showbiz from DITC. Um, and even mm -hmm. that situation was a little, you know, interesting because it was a beat break tape that Showbiz had did. And Vic had like stumbled upon it and was like, Yo, you should just rap on these. You know, I think Showbiz had put it out as just like a beat break, just a tape, you know, um, I guess to engage his fan base. And yeah. Vic saw it as an opportunity. It was a smart idea. It was an opportunity to kind of like just rap on them, kind of show my skill, add Showbiz a part of it. You know, I think one of them had Lord Finesse on it as well. We used a couple of Lord Finesse um, samples as well, but it didn't. It wasn't really communicated like what we were doing with it. So that situation kind of made it murky. Um, it was just a lot of, you know, and I don't want to down talk as Vic is my man's, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a lot of uh, uh, miscommunication. And, you know, I would have rather had it where like Premiere maybe had more of the control as far as like what we were going to do musically and use his connections more with him doing it rather than through Vic, through him. Because um, it was just too many tunnels. You know what I mean? It wasn't like mm -hmm. directly through like Prem's taking me to the studio. Prem's doing this at X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Vic felt like he was going to be left out. And again, I don't know. I'm just speaking off of my experience of what I, you know, what I took from it. But ideally, I would have definitely liked for it to be more. Like we never went on a tour. Like I never went on a tour. I never opened up for anyone except for one time I did open up for uh, Freddie Fox. Mm -hmm. I opened up for Freddie Fox when him and Premier did, uh, they did an album called The Collection. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. So that album that they did, uh, they did a, a, a like a, a show for it in, in Manhattan and they had me like be one of the people to open up for it. And uh, it was cool because Flavor Flav like was like one of the um, hosts, and so him and Premier were like, yeah. you know, hyping me up before I got on the on 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 the stage. Matter of fact, uh, Flavor Flav like gave me a big hug after the performance. It was it was pretty wild. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was like the gist of it, you know. Like I, I I would go to shows and I would be able to go with them to certain shows in the U.S., but I was never able to travel with them outside of the country. Like when Premier was, you know, going on any tours, we weren't able to go because Vic had situations with traveling. He couldn't travel at the time. So it was just a lot of stuff that like, you know, I just felt like was kind of mismanaged and it was like six years of my career. So it kind of set me back. You know what I mean? In in, in hindsight, can you, I mean, it, it sounds like a, it's, it's a management issue, a management challenge. Yeah, for sure. The, all these roadblocks yeah. like, and you just mentioned like you've never been on tour. You've never really opened yeah. up for for anyone why like do you know why in hindsight like what other than the management issues like i mean touring obviously is is uh, is related to very high costs you know yeah, like you need, yeah, you need funding yeah. and stuff like that yeah um, why haven't you been able to to pick up on all the things that you you want to i don't know i felt like 
so here's the crazy thing. After those six years, I so for the six years, I, I specifically let that be Vic's job. You know what I mean? I didn't go. The only thing I did was I made sure I still made music and I made sure I still put out music. So even if I wasn't doing it through his company, I was still putting out music. But everything else was, you know, I put it in, in his hands. So that kind of caused me when I stopped working with him, I had to kind of like readjust everything. Simultaneously, I had my first child after I stopped working with him. So that slowed everything down as well. You know, I had my first daughter and uh, I wasn't able to leave the way I wanted to. I couldn't. I had to make sure, you know, she was being provided for. We were living in Brooklyn at the time. I wanted to get out of there. So it was just life kind of like switched that, you know, for me. And then when things were calming down, I had another daughter. So it was just, you know, like life, it was life. It was just life that kind of like once post that scenario, then it was like I started adulting, like for mm. real. So that just that just added a whole nother layer. Like now I'm in a position where like I definitely could go if I needed to, but it was just too hard at that time. And if we talk about today, where where do you feel like you are at in your career today? Like how happy are you with the way things are currently going for you? I mean, honestly, I'm happy. You know, I I, I feel like as an artist, you have to adjust your... Uh, your expectations a little bit because a lot of times your expectations are predicated on other artists and other people like your favorite artists or like you know peers or maybe not specifically peers but in my situation like a guy like j cole or kendrick lamar guys who you know dave east guys who are like you know mainstream guys that are around my age but they're doing so much more it's like someone who i got compared to a lot Joey Badass, which was hilarious to me because I'm I'm like, a, a I think I'm like at least five years older than Joey. So, you know what I mean? So like, mm. and we were coming, but we were coming up around the same time. It was like people like Joey Badass, people like Rhapsody. Like I, when I was first started working with Vic and, and Primo, like those people were just coming on. So that part was hard. Like noticing like, man, like now you see where all these artists are. And like, you're like, maybe like still kind of feeling like you're in the obscurity of everything. But at the same time, like you said, it's, you know, my ability to now be able to work with different artists overseas and like have the following that I have, even though it's not, you know, it's not the mainstream type. It's still a following nonetheless. You know what I'm saying? And um, just trying to figure out and finding and being okay with like, at the end of the day, it's still your calling. Like you just got to find what works for you, you know, and maybe what works for them doesn't work for me. And that's why it is what it is. And that's why I'm, I am where I am. And I got to be okay with that. You know, I got to know my time is coming and my time is probably already here. It's just the way that it is for me. You know, I got to be okay with that. And I think as an artist, it's hard because you're always looking at what someone else is doing. And I had to like stop doing that. I had to just worry about, well, as an artist, this is what I'm doing. This is what works for me. And, you know, you know it's not about the numbers or anything like that. It's about, you know, the kind of impact you're putting on people. So, you know, that's all I, that's, that's, that's really what keeps me going, to be honest. That thing you described earlier with seeing, you know, the, the Joey Badasses and Dave East's uh, Rhapsodies, all these Uh, amazing artists like yourself by the way I, I do want to say that you're you're an incredible artist and thank I you. thank you I think that you you definitely play in all these these artists league no question thank you um but I you, think you, so you, too <laughs> yeah absolutely and you should thank you know you should absolutely <laughs> thank you um you, you you see them all coming up and 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 growing and getting bigger is it Do you think it's also, is it luck? Like, is it, are they luckier than you are? When you see that Ooh. and you, it sounds like, yeah, is it, how do you, what makes that their situation different from yours? I, you know what? Damn, man, that's a, that's a really good question. I struggle with that often because it's like, you know, I'm, I take, I'm a spiritual person. I, you know, I, I believe like in the higher power and all that. And so sometimes I wonder like, man, like, what are they, are they praying more than me? Like, are they like, what did it, you know what I'm saying? Like what's going on? Yeah. Um, you know, it, cause I like to think I live a pretty clean life. You know what I mean? I try to take care of my kids. You know, they, we, you know, I'm, I'm married. I have a wife, 
you know, I try to make sure I'm cleaning up my side of the road. But again, I think it, it goes back to like what I said. It's not about that. It's about what fits me right now, you know, and sometimes what fits you um, doesn't necessarily like resonate with you at the moment. But when time goes on, you look back and you're like, oh, that's why it didn't happen the way it did for me, because X, Y and Z probably would have happened. You know, and maybe those people, maybe they're more equipped for that moment. Maybe um, uh, maybe they're just so I don't know. I don't know. You know, all I can say is for me, like I have to be OK with where I am. But to your point, it is very hard when you're looking and you're like, damn, what like what is it? Like, is it the luck? Is it the it's just their time? It was just their time. It was their time to get on. And maybe what I'm doing now is more relevant for this time. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Maybe what I was doing back then, I didn't really have a grasp of what I was supposed to be doing to hit the people. Now maybe it's more, maybe like my time will come because what I'm doing is going to connect more with what people need right now. Maybe what I was doing back then wasn't going to connect the same. What? What does a dream career look like to you? Like, what what is what is your aspiration? Like, is it is it the 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 sold out massive venues? Is it the numbers? Like, what what would your dream career look like if you could could pick it? Yeah, I would love that. I would love to wake up and only have to worry about music. Only have to worry about creating. Uh, yeah, obviously, every artist wants to have the sold out arenas. Wants to be able to be in front of a big stage. Um, but even on a smaller scale, I would love to be an artist developer. Um, I'm actually ha at a situation right now where I work at a school where I help uh, these kids. Uh, it's a trade school. So it's actually like they're building. a. They have trades all over the school. But one of the trades is audio engineering and recording. And so I got a gig with that where I'm actually helping like young kids who are trying to like find their way in the music game and also in life. But they, you know, need some development with uh, just, you know, knowing their way around the studio. A lot of kids want to do music and have no idea what goes into it. They think you just, you know, it's the same thing like sports. Like people think you just go in and you could just, oh, I could be an athlete. No, the hell you can't. Yeah. There's a lot of work yeah. that goes with it. And it's the same thing with music. Like people think you just go in the studio, you say a couple words and it's you just make a hit. And it's like, nah, that's not how it works. But um, you know, being like a part of that, like artist development, um, just having my day like really circle around just music all day. That that's the ideal scenario for me, and the, and me not having to worry about my bills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that can synchronize, like even if I don't have the big shows, if it's my day is only dealing with music, and I don't have to worry about you know uh, just the little things and making sure the, the gas bill and all of this stuff, you know. Um, That's that's ideal to me, even if I just take it down to a, 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 a smaller notch. But definitely want the big shows. Definitely want to tour the globe. Definitely want to um, be able to to just move however I want to move, whenever I want to move um, uh, in this music space. That would be huge. What are some of the biggest learnings that you've had over the past couple of years uh, that you you definitely wouldn't do anymore today? <laughs> Uh, uh, that I wouldn't do. Well, I definitely wouldn't have someone in charge of everything I do. That's for sure. Um, I wouldn't have, uh, and I don't anymore. Like when I uh, approach my music and my career, I definitely have people who assist me in certain things, but I, I definitely wouldn't have like, I don't, I don't feel like at this point in my career, I need a manager. I probably need like, you know, people for certain things. But I think moving forward, I definitely wouldn't. I'm not saying that artists shouldn't have managers. I'm just saying for me, for what I had to learn and for the, for where I'm at now in my career, I don't think I need one in that way where they're just doing everything and I'm like not worried about the music at all. I think every artist should understand the game. They definitely should understand the game that they're getting into. They should understand the business side. Um, they should understand the music side. Because honestly, Miles, up to this point, my first couple, my these last couple years, especially during the pandemic, I really dove into engineering. Like I didn't really know how music worked 
I was just doing it. I was rapping. I was around. I was in studios, but I didn't know anything. I didn't really know what compression was. I didn't really know what saturation was. I didn't really know what EQing was. You know, I didn't really know what mixing and mastering was, you know? And so I took a moment to really like dive into that and, and be able to do it myself. So I don't have to run to an engineer every time if I need a quick cleanup or if I need, you know, to track out vocals. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. learning those yeah. things, I feel like artists definitely have to take a second to to do that. And if I could go back, I would have learned earlier. You know what I mean? Instead of waiting until now, mm -hmm. because you're also more of a commodity when you know how to do more things. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're coming Absolutely. in the game, I can yeah. produce, I can engineer, I can write my own music. I Like, you know, like what a label or what, music group doesn't want a guy that can do multiple things or, or or woman you know guy or girl that can do multiple things who doesn't want a person who can do it all you know or yeah. close to it all so i definitely would have learned that more i definitely would have probably even went to school for it instead of what i did go to school for which didn't work out um yeah so those things i definitely would would take into consideration if i had a chance to do it all over again mostly everything else you know was learning uh curves for me so i wouldn't take it back but i would definitely have armed myself a little bit more with with, with the intelligence of knowing what goes into the music before i did it yeah you know something that i i i saw that happened is that so in 2022 talk that talk I'm going to dive into a slightly different topic now, but I I, I was yeah, yeah, I was sure. really wondering what that how that impacted your career. In in 2022, Talk That Talk was kind of going viral on Twitter. Yeah. Something happened there, and I when I saw that, I, I was wondering. So what these moments? What what I I guess they give you more drive, I suppose, but also like what kind of impact do they have on you as a person, as well as on your music? Like, do you see more streams from that? Like. What, what what happened when that happened with TikTok? Again, man, I love how you're like really digging deep and you're finding like these things. It's dope. Uh, I'll give you a little backstory on it. So me and Jay Soul, we did a album. Uh, well, we were doing sync music. So we were doing like licensing. We were doing music for television, for stuff like that. We were using a company called Song Trader. That's something else that I, I've been getting into for the last couple of years. And, you know, we can talk about that later if you want. Um, but we were doing, we did a song, we had opted, they have, they give you an option to opt into, uh, the, did like, um, TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. So they give you the option to do that. Apparently we got put on TikTok, I guess, you know, obviously a company did pick it up, but I don't know when the hell or how the hell, but it just, it, like you said, it just blew up. One day I just randomly Googled myself because that's something that artists do. I'm, I, and if artists say they don't, they're lying. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're coming up, you're definitely always googling yourself to see how much <laughs> how Yo, much I've, you're going. I've, I've googled real. myself, man. You Seriously. know what I mean? I've, so I've, like, I've done it. So yeah. yeah. So so I googled and I was scrolling down, and then I'm like, "What, what is this TikTok that I'm not? I wasn't on TikTok at all at the time. I'm still like." on it but just because of that situation but i don't do anything on it i just i'm not a tiktok guy so I, i'm looking and i'm like why is these tiktok videos coming up with with you know with me like what does that have to do with me and i go and i'm like oh shit that's my song and i go to another one and i'm like oh and i just keep seeing that they're popping up and yeah i i had no idea that that was happening like i had no because when you do licensing They don't tell you, you know, if, if when you do licensing music, the, the the companies never tell you where it's going. Like, you know, when you get back like your your statements, but you don't know who's picking it up. Like, you have no idea. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. at first it was it was like, you know, like, whoa, this is big. Like, this is crazy. So I hit up Jay Saw, I let him know. And then I'm starting to see the people that's using it. And then, you know, like Giannis. Uh, from the Bucks and in the NBA, and Steph Curry uses it, and and then uh, the the lady from the Pussycat Dolls, um, forgot her name. And they call Shirtsing, I think her name yeah, is right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Um, uh, so like you know, so I'm like, oh snap, and like all these big you know um, uh, people on the platform uh, are using it, and at first it was just like pure shock. But then, you know, as you know, as someone who still wants to know where the money's going, I'm like, 
okay, how does this, what does this equate to, you know, like financially? Long story short, come to find out, it, it is a absolute shit show. TikTok for artists is a shit show. It mm -hmm. is not conducive at all. You don't make any money from it. Uh, we were also on a blanket license. So very quickly, that's just when they take your song and they put it under a database and the company gets it, but they already have paid for like the database so they basically don't pay for your song they pay for the mm -hmm. database and you get a very small percentage out of it so it's a really whack deal um but yes did it help a little bit as far as like recognition and more people checking me out for sure and that's why me and uh jay soul that song actually wasn't on the digital streaming platforms we immediately was like we need to put that one on it because we only did it through song trader we didn't have it on any of like the platforms it wasn't on the album that we had actually put out. So we put that out. It did help. It definitely helped as far as like more people like picking us up and more people like, you know, using it. Um, but it was a weird situation. I guess it was just something to show me that like, you know, that things are possible, but, uh, but financially, or at least like in, in, in other ways, in that sense, it was, you know, it, it is what it is, but it definitely helped open some doors for sure. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that an approach you take sometimes to to figure out more how you can hit the mainstream with what you do with your music and land on TikTok videos and going viral? I remember listening to a track of yours. I forgot the name. I, I think it was produced by Yardell. Um, oh, and it yeah, was a very, yeah, yeah. very EDM-like yeah, yeah. track, had, yeah, had yeah. a lot of like pop vibes, yeah. EDM vibes, as far as I remember do you do that a lot do you try to figure out sometimes how you can hit the mainstream with your music or is that nah that, when I do stuff like that it's not really for the mainstream like Yodel was a situation I got through um, a producer friend of mine um, Domni uh, Balatou who's from he's French he's a uh, dude I met through a guy I mentioned earlier DK from uh, from Nova Scotia And so, like, again, just a whole bunch of places, right? So yeah. he linked me up to Domni, and Domni linked me up to Yadel. And that situation, Domni is a guy that I started doing specifically licensing music with. So that's when I learned about the licensing world. And so he's a producer. He's a, a bunch of things. He's like a, a renaissance guy in the music game. But specifically for that situation, he was a producer engineer that asked me to do some tracks with him. Um And that's how I got into the licensing world. And that's also how I met J-Soul. Um, but I, when I do that, those kind of tracks, it's it's more so for that world. It's not really for like my... I'm trying to build multiple like lanes for myself, basically. Mm -hmm. But when I do that, it's not like really like... Uh, it's not intended for that. No, it's not intended for me to be like a TikTok or artist or anything like that it's really intended to just build my brand as far as the licensing thing is concerned because that's really where artists can make a lot of money and still be able to stay true to their craft um because it's so obscure you know i mean people hear you but it's like oh it's randomly on a television show most people might won't even like catch it you know i've been lucky enough where my family has actually caught my songs on shows and like hit me up and been like, yo, I just heard you on like, uh, one of the show to come to mind is, um, on Netflix, uh, the show about football. Uh, it's like the, some, some show where they talking about like, uh, I can't remember the name of it. American something. I forgot the name of it. Either way, my dad watches the show. He saw it and he was like, oh, snap. Like, you know, you're on this. Like, I just heard your voice on, you know, uh, Black Ink was another show, the tattoo show back in the mm -hmm. day um, that got picked, that it picked it up. So, yeah, that when I do stuff like that, it's, it's more so for that. It's not really to, you know, try to build on any other thing, but but that scenario. Something that I, I came across as well is, You know, we earlier we talked about this this idea of you know comparing yourself to other artists and seeing mm -hmm. other artists strive and maybe getting the feeling that you you know you you also want to get there and stuff like that. I think in twenty in twenty nineteen, if I if I remember correctly, is is when you you've also openly voiced some frustration. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember seeing a post of yours. I think 
where you, you you sounded defeated a little bit. What keeps you going in these moments? Like, what is your what is your end goal? Like, what do you what do you and how do you stay on your lane in your lane basically and stay motivated to to keep going in these in these moments where you feel like everyone's maybe against you and you're not really hitting or you're not really arriving to where you want to get to. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um uh I think you get to a point where like you have to step away for a second and you have to like just reassess like what what are you doing it for? I remember my wife asked me that like a long time ago. She was like, you know, you keep talking about like not getting this and not getting like what are you doing it for? Like how you just asking like what's your ink like what are you doing it for? Like, are you doing it because you, you're passionate about it, you love it, or do you, like, want to be famous? Do you want to be, like, are you doing it for that? Are you doing it for the money? And every, when I realized it's like, nah, I'm not even doing it for that stuff. You just, when you do things, you would hope to be compensated for it, right? Especially when you're doing something that you see people who do it a lot less good <laughs> you know what i'm saying the, the mm -hmm. in like the best terms i could find they just they're getting like buku amount of dollars and they're doing the same thing you're doing but at a lesser stage like at a lesser scale mm. um it is frustrating but like you know you stop you take a second you reassess why you're doing it and you reassess what it means to you you know what i mean and i think for me like I had to constantly do that. I had to stop. I had to really think like, why am I doing this? Like, am I doing this for ev for everybody else, or or am I doing this to try to get something from it, or am I just just putting the vibes out there because it's something I love to do? Like, and um, I think that's what keeps me going. The fact that like, you know, music has gotten me through a lot of shit in my life, bro. You know, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So you know, um, more than you could even imagine. Like, so for me to to try to use it as a tool to, you know, as only like a money getter, you know, then I'm then I'm a hypocrite because I'm doing the shit that I'm saying, like all oh, these artists are out here doing, you know, then I'm a hypocrite, you know, and it doesn't mean to not go and try to get your bag. It just means you got to be authentic. You got to find different ways. You got to kind of let the world dictate and let the universe dictate where you need to be. Because a lot of times you try to fight that and you try to say, well, this is what I want. And then, like I said earlier, it ends up not even being for you. It ends up being a thing that kind of puts you on a path of destruction rather than something that helps you to grow and build, you know? And last thing I'll say about it is the pandemic really helped me to see, like, we could plan all the hell we want, bro. You just never know what the hell's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it literally just stopped everything I was trying to do at the moment. And a lot of people fought against it. And that's where you got the conspiracy theorists and everyone going crazy and shit. But I think it was because everyone was fighting it so much instead of just being like, yo, just sit at home and take a second. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just keep yourself safe. Take a second and just, you know, dive into what's going on. But a lot of people, most people don't want to do that shit, especially in the internet world. We just want to all just be consumed by stuff instead of like dealing with the stuff that's going on with us. And so it that made me really realize like there's an old saying like man plans and God laughs. Like you could plan all you want, but at the end of the day, the universe is gonna do what it's gonna do. The world's gonna move how it's gonna move. So you just gotta move accordingly. You gotta be fluent with it. And so every time I think and I use that mentality, it helps bring me back to like, all right, let me reset, let me readjust and and just move on how I need to move. This this fits in really well with, with my next question. I mean, you've given such so much great advice throughout our talk already that other aspiring artists could use. But if someone is actively tuning in right now and maybe wanting to start a career in music yeah. uh, to follow their dreams, what are, what are some of the advices you would give them? Yeah, hopefully they've been listening to the whole thing because I, like you said, I've been dropping jewels the whole time. <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> nah, but definitely, definitely know the game. Definitely, like I said, like understand what you're getting into. Um, and it's not just music. I think that's <clears throat> in general. Any, I'm sure like before you did your podcasting, you definitely did your due diligence. You looked up like, how should I, you know, I, I mean, even this, what you're using this Riverside thing is dope. Like I've, I don't think I've ever seen anyone use this when I've done like the internet uh, 
interviews. So this is like uh, it's a great tool. I, yeah. I really, I really, I love it. I'm this also is very fire. happy I found it. Yeah. This is so yeah. fire. But like, you know what I mean? You did your research. You you went. You tried to figure it out before you just jumped into it. Not saying like it's is there's anything against jumping into stuff, but you definitely want to have an idea of what you're doing before you do it. You know, um, gain as much knowledge as you can. Uh, work alongside people. Like definitely have people kind of guide you if there's other artists that you know that have already been doing it. You know, you don't have to take everything they tell you. Like my uncle has this saying, like what people tell you, you use it as an orange, you you peel off the stuff you don't need and you keep what's important. You know what I mean? So definitely use it like an orange, you know, be around people, peel what you don't need, keep what you do. Um, but yeah, definitely have a mind and, and, and do it for the right reasons. And what I mean by that is do it for the things that at the end of the day that move you not just for the things that you know that move you you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um so, uh because that that's an easy way to get yourself caught up in a situation where you know i mean we see it all the time we see with artists all the time like i just saw something with takashi the other day he's getting beat up in like you know uh uh at gyms and stuff like you know but all the his only reason for doing it was to be this person mm -hmm. and now look what he's getting he's not even making music anymore we still talk about him mm -hmm. but he's like literally living this crazy weird ass life that like at the end of the day i'm sure can't be fulfilling you know what i mean um so yeah just do it for the right reasons just just do it for the right reasons that fit you and um yeah that's that's the best i can say hopefully they were listening to other stuff two more things that that i want to ask you first What are the things you wish you would have known about the music industry prior to building a career in it? Um, that it just wasn't going to be easy, like financially. Like that part kills. That part just sucks. Like the fact that like it's not like a... And I, I think I had an idea that it wasn't going to be something that you could just come into and just, you know, get money. But that, it was hard because... I think when I first started rapping, that's when like YouTube was like really popping. I think Soulja Boy was one of the first artists to like get a deal of just doing like weird stuff on YouTube. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was like, it, it was a little weird because at the time it was like, oh, maybe you can just go in there and just do something and, you know, but it's not like that. It's not, it's definitely not like that. If you, and I think the only reason why it was harder for me because I wasn't willing to bend. I wasn't willing to like do the stuff that other people were doing to get the quick fix, you know? Like, and so, yeah, you, it, it takes a lot longer when you're trying to stay authentic to what works for you, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I definitely wish I would have known, like, man, this is not going to be an easy. But if I would have known that, I might not have done it. So exactly. you know what I mean. Yeah. So maybe it's a good thing that that it wasn't something that I, that I knew. But the business is is definitely a, like any other business. Like who you know, you know, um, uh, the company you keep, shit like that. Like people, like if you have, I mean, even like the artists I named. If you think about some of the biggest artists that are doing the kind of stuff that I'm doing, but they're just bigger artists and they have a bigger platform. If you think about Rhapsody, right? She came up under Ninth Wonder. Mm -hmm. You think about Dave East, he came up under Nas. Mm -hmm. You think about Kendrick Lamar, he came up under Dre. You think about J. Cole, he came up under Jay-Z. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a big homie almost if you're like doing it in a way where you're being authentic and you can stay true to yourself. You almost have to have someone who is already influenced an influencer in that way in the industry that can kind of help build your brand, you know, because it's really hard. If you're letting a label do it, yeah. you got, yeah, yeah, good luck. Like if you're letting a label build your brand nine times out of 10, they're not going to, at least not the major ones, they're not going to let you do it in a way, they're going to let you do it in a way, or they're going to ask you to do it in a way or tell you to do it in a way that fits whatever narratives that they want to bring out. And you can tell when you listen to the regular radio, And when you listen to the regular radio, it's like, oh, it's just literally the same person, like just a different voice. The beats don't even change up that much either. Like it's like the mainstream, not regular radio, but mainstream radio. When you listen to it, it's very similar. So, you know, 
Yeah, I lost my train oh, of thought. Just, so I, sorry, I went on a tangent. Um, but yeah, just learning those those aspects though have definitely um, helped me to just be okay with where I'm at. What's next for you? Um, maybe not only in terms of music, but what what's your next what's your next goal? What's your next big achievement? Um, wh where do you want to Where do you want to go? Um, I think this year I definitely. Um, I just want to be able to put out these, uh, I have three albums that I got lined up for this year. And I want to make sure that they all get into the airwaves and whatever happens, happens. But I think um, there's three albums for sure that are already pretty much done that I want to make sure get to the world. Um, one is called Urban Testimony. It's a story about basically my whole situation in college that year that I had out in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's a really descriptive, it's probably one of my most personal albums as far as like giving a real story to like a situation that happened in my life. Um, and it's just, it's sonically, it's just out of this world. It's a Scottish producer, Scottish producer by the name of Brellstaff who did it, who did all the production on it. Um, he's super, super fire. I've been working with him for a couple years, but this is our first project we actually did together. Um, we actually have a, a label, not really a label, they're more of a production, I mean, a, a publishing company um, by the name of New Dawn. And there, it's also run by a Scottish dude. That was not how it was. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't plan it like that. It just yeah. so happens that he like, You know, I was working with him with something totally separate. He asked me, is there any albums I was working on? And I just thought that album just like kind of stuck out to me. So I sent it over and he liked it. And so he's going to help us out um, with that. A guy by the name of John. Um, and so that album, I'm doing an album with my man Blanks from Lost Info. I think you know about Lost Info. The, the Epiphany album I did is right behind yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. So Blanks is one of the producers on the Epiphany uh, album. He's with that group, The Lost Info. We're doing a project that, you know, hopefully will be dropping within the next couple months. And uh, and my guy, DK, who I've uh, mentioned a couple times, mm -hmm. uh, he and Uncle DJ Uncle Fester, both from Nova Scotia, uh, they co-produced the album for me. Oh, we did it one together. It's actually called Where There's Smoke. And that is also another personal album. I'm doing a lot of personalized albums. I think the one with Blanks is the most like raw, rugged, just me spitting, going crazy. It's called The Code. Um, but the one with uh, with DK and uh, DJ Uncle Fester is called Where There's Smoke. Another situation that happened in my life that was just crazy. Uh, my apartment building in 2020 had burnt down. It was like a fire there. And like the whole building basically was... Uh, and, and inhabitable so we couldn't move back in They all our stuff was gone it was just a crazy scenario that like affected me and my family really bad uh, for a couple months for really a year or so um, and so it's just a story of that with the pandemic and all of that stuff so just I want to get those albums out though because I feel like they're relevant to just me kind of moving forward and finding a new turning a new leaf but I needed to get some of that uh, other stuff out so that's really my goal To be honest with you, Miles, I'm just trying to get that music out. Hopefully, maybe get on some kind of tour with my man Meticulous because we got three albums that we've put out. And we really, at this point, are just trying to branch out and just try to get it out to the world. I mean, it's already been out on some, you know, some some platforms and stuff, but we want to get out there and actually do shows with it. So that's definitely in the cards. We're just trying to figure it out. We actually had a situation in France that we're just still trying to figure out to try to get out there. Um, and those are like, yeah, those are like the pretty much the short term goals. And long term, what, where, where you headed? What do you want to, what's, what's your next destination? Only time to tell, brother. Like I said, I'm not even trying to plan it no more. You know, I feel like that, that's what just leads to the heartbreaks and the, and the, you know, I don't want to try to figure out what's going to happen. I just want to do the things that I can control, you know what I mean? And let, and, and. You know, let the music do what it do. Like, I can't, I can't really, I don't want to get into that space anymore. For me personally, like, I'm not saying other people shouldn't do it. But for me, I just feel like I need to focus on 
doing what I can control. And that's put out this good music, put out some more videos. I def that's part also on my list, on my to-do list, put out more videos because I'm like lacking with the visuals. And I know a lot of, you know, uh, supporters have told me that, like, you know, put more visuals out. So I'm definitely going to try to put more visuals out. And um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about the, the long term. I'm going to let I'm going to let the music do what it do. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate this uh, this conversation. Thank you, appreciate yeah, you. Thank man. you so much for your time. If I could wipe the slate clean, break all my bad habits, get a little rest, make my mind inactive, slow the world down cuz this pace been sped up. Get this money right cuz the bills got me fed up. This was Unsigned Hype episode 3 with Justo DMC. The track you're hearing right now is called Inner Peace off of Justo's latest album Where There's Smoke. You will find the song in the Unsigned Hype podcast playlist, along with all other songs discussed in this episode. Make sure to support Justo by checking out his music and following him on social media. And for your weekly Unsigned Hype, make sure to also follow us on Spotify and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below. While the apartment was burning down So the flames never heard a sound Like watching me freestyle on mute Me and wifey smelling barbecue I couldn't compute Like smoke off the roof But we fighters ain't taking no days off Till we catch a break and days off Kicking the shade off Need some for my melanin A ocean to dwell me in Lower this I'm adrenaline peace, yeah. That's where I can't sleep My mind not stop Need the release I'm just looking for peace I'm just looking for peace Never fought, and so I smiled in my sleep, but the top never stopped.